0: There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I'm raised on television to believe that one day we'll all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. And here we go. So it is a gorgeous Monday evening as fall is upon us. It is the fall solstice, so fall is officially here. There's a chill in the air. I'm drinking some Red Barn from 45 North in Traverse City, which we'll talk about here in a second, but um, it's a delicious evening to get a podcast going, so I thought I would do this for the next 20 or so minutes, because this past week for me was just spectacular. I was in five different cities doing nine talks across seven days, which to you might seem like a lot, but for me, it solidifies that this is the part of the job that I want to do over and over and over because I have an absolute blast and this week is no exception. But that's not really what I want to talk to you about. Today, I want to talk to you about when you're doing these things, about finding the people and getting them in your life who make doing these things easier. And then at the end, I've got a, a bunch of questions that people have asked about how I make the presentations. And so for those of you who are interested in the process of that, we'll do that at the end for a couple of minutes, because I've had a number of people who have asked for the deck, which I'm more than happy to provide. And then uh, the immediate <laughs> reaction is, cool. Um, how, how, did you, how did you make this thing? Right? So we'll do that towards the end. And, and we'll start with Tuesday and sort of work our way around the past week. And so for Tuesday, it started for me at about four in the morning as I drove through the night across to Flint to start my first of three talks on that day. And as I'm driving through the dark, my phone dings as my wife gets up right around six o'clock, and I just get a text that shows up on my phone that says, Good luck with a heart. And then I get to Flint. Call it around 7 o'clock. The talk is actually at 8.30, but right around 7 o'clock, my phone dings again, and this one says, hey, man, go kill it, and it's from my friend Julian, and then the talk goes from 8.30 to 9.30. They're usually about an hour. Give or take the Q&A at the end, and I'm driving from Flint to the next talk, which was in Lansing for a Facebook Live at noon and then a presentation for our sales team, and on the way there, the phone rings. And it's Julian. He says, hey, uh, how'd the morning session go? And do you have a second to talk? And wanted to know if I was ready for the next one. And for me, on a day like this, these five-minute calls or one-second texts are the things that really keep you going. Because when you're trying to do, let's call it 19 hours of work in a 24-hour period, all of that windshield time, which on Tuesday was a little bit over seven hours in the car, let alone the actual talks, it can be a bit... Daunting, a bit isolating, a bit lonely, and then the event in Lansing goes till about two thirty, and we're heading back because the final event is for Grand Valley's uh, American Marketing Association. And right as I'm pulling into Grand Rapids, my phone dings one more time, and it just says one more left again from Julian, followed by my wife that says see you soon with a heart. And if I'm honest. At this point in the day, as I'm pulling back into Grand Rapids at, say, right around 430, I am completely blown out because I haven't had a day like this in probably two months. So I haven't worked this long or had this much windshield time in a long time. So I'm heading into hour 14 of the day, and I'm working on fumes because as the day sort of unfolded, as it happens sometimes. I know it happens to you. It happens to just about everyone in my life who has days like this. As the day unfolds, I don't really have any time to eat because I'm showing up for a breakfast meeting as others eat breakfast. I'm showing up for a lunch meeting as others eat lunch. And when those things are done and you are done, lunch is done. So you're on to the next thing. So at that point of the day, the only thing I've consumed is coffee and water and expending mass amounts of energy. And so I take a minute once I get to the office to stop and sort of regroup because I knew I needed to do that before I went to Grand Valley. So I step back in the office. I have enough time to grab a banana and a protein bar. And then I just sat in silence for about 15 or 20 minutes until it was time to go. And I I really enjoy that. Like the, the silence before a thing for me is invigorating. We're talking a lot about process tonight and we'll continue to do that. But for me, it's very invigorating. So by the time I watch nudges me to move, I found that extra gear and I'm ready to go, which is awesome because the event is not really what I expected. Because the last time I spoke for the Grand Valley AMA, it was a um I don't know thirty people total right this time it's standing room only it's a hundred or plus human beings there's free pizza, the energy is crazy, and so I've got to match that energy for the next hour and I have an absolute blast and I would say that on Tuesday in particular, that talk might have been my favorite because of that energy and I share this with you not because you know i I want you to go with me as I traverse the entire state, but because there's people quietly cheering me on as I'm doing this 19-hour trek across the state. And it wasn't just my wife, and it wasn't just Julian. There's a there's a core group of human beings that are always rooting me on kind of in the background, which I find very helpful. In fact, when we go back to the start of this road trip, which was Saturday, I was able to go with Angie up to Traverse City, which was the first time... And you know, if you go back and listen to the podcast seven minutes, you know that she left her job to spend more time in the family environment, spend more time with Jack, and more time with Evelyn. Uh, and this was a side effect of that. She was able to go with me on Saturday to Traverse City, which was the first time in the five years I've been at M Live that she was able to see me speak in public, not at M Live. She'd seen some events at M Live, but other than that, hasn't seen me do any of that stuff, which was awesome because it's A, awesome to share that with her, and B, she's one of those people that I can trust to give me feedback that I can use. And the feedback she gave me on Saturday, I was able to use Tuesday and the talk on Wednesday and the talk on Thursday and the talk on Friday. Because for me, I need people like that that push me to do what I do. And when you start something, you've got to find those people that you can trust. And those people that you can trust who are gracious enough to give you feedback. Cause too often we surround ourselves with people who tell you everything is awesome no matter how terrible it might be and You might understand this if you've got kids as the eighth place trophy, right? Everybody gets a trophy. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that the lesson we want to teach them? And while I was driving, I had a lot of windshield time this past week, and so I got to listen to a bunch of stuff, including Joe Rogan's podcast with the Black Keys. And as much as I can listen to Joe Rogan's three-hour podcast, I I like to do that because what I love about his format is when you talk to somebody for three hours— Undoubtedly, you're able to break through the veneer because you can only keep that veneer up for, say, 15, 17, 20 minutes till you actually have to start answering some real questions. So he's interviewing the Black Keys and the drummer, Patrick Carney, um, tells this amazing story. And I want to share it with you a second because it speaks to kind of the type of human being I want in my life as I'm making stuff out in the world and and ask people to sort of gut check how that stuff is connecting. And so he's about 11 years old and they're driving down the road listening to the Cleveland Indian game. And at the time he was in Little League and the Indians had the shortstop who was named Jay Bell, um, and he was traded from the Minnesota Twins. And while he was with the Twins, he essentially spent all of his time in the minors. And while he was in the minors, made 129 errors in his first three seasons. So they were excited to get rid of him. And he ends up in Cleveland, where he makes his major league debut. And so at the time, many fans didn't really think he was that awesome. So they're in the car. They're driving down the road. The baseball game is on. And Bell misses the ball. And Patrick turns to his dad at this moment and says, hey, dad, I bet I'm a better shortstop than him. And Patrick's dad stops the car, pulls over to the side of the road, and looks his 11-year-old son in the eye and says, Patrick, I love you so much, but you're 11, and there's no way. There's only like 50 professional shortstops on the planet. So there's just no way 11-year-old you is better than J-Bell. No matter how bad J-Bell is, in the bubble of the Major League Baseball system. And then he starts the car, and they keep going. And I love this story, because I want someone to love me that much that they will pull the car over and go, look, dude, that's not how it works. They're courageous enough to tell me the truth. And for me, those truths could be anything. Like, these are just some examples, right? Uh, I've been training jujitsu on and off for 15, 16, 17 years. For somebody to tell me that my... Dreams of going to the UFC have come and gone, right? I played drums for a long time, but I'll never go pro, right? My life as an esports gamer is not a thing that's going to happen. These are things that I would love for somebody to call me out on if I decided I was going to chase those down. Someone who says, hey, I see this thing that you're doing, and I think I sort of understand it, but by and large, I think it might not be that great for you, and I'd love to talk to you about it, right? That sort of courage to me, is important. And the nuance here is these aren't the humans that are cutting you off at the knees when you have an idea or you want to try something. In fact, you've got to try things and you've got to learn from those experiments in order to understand what works for you and have the self-awareness to kind of know what sort of experiments are worthy of your attention. But these people will tell the 11-year-old you that you're not going to be a major league shortstop at 11 years old. It's just not going to happen. And they'll be the same people that are cheering you on when you've got the 19 hour hill climb in a single day. And my hope is that you have these people in your life or that you know where these people can be found and you can seek them out because When you're creating and you're trying to create on a consistent basis, they're not always going to be home runs and there's going to be long days and there's going to be friction and you're going to fall down and things are going to break and you're going to need grace and you're going to need empathy and you're going to need caring and you're going to need support and you're going to need cheering and you need all of that stuff because in... The world that we live in and the amount of content that you are looking to create in order to be successful in what we're calling the social web, it's a lot. You've got to take a lot of bats, at bats, I should say, right? A lot of at bats, and not all of them are going to be awesome. And it's important to surround yourself with people who will call you out. And for me, this is sort of a love letter to all those people in my life. And for me, there's a lot of them, and I'm grateful for all of them. Because not all of them can help me all at the same time, but they all show up right at the moment that I need them to. And that to me is absolutely humbling, right? That, that anyone anywhere cares enough about the things that I'm doing to give me feedback to make that stuff better. And so with that, I kind of want to go into process a little bit, because like I said, when you're talking that much and people are asking to look at the deck or see a particular slide or get more information on a thing that you said, they undoubtedly kind of lean into process. How did you make that? Why did you do that? What is the order by which... You do that. And so since I had a bunch of these questions, I I wanted to deconstruct my process a little bit tonight um, as we talk about what I'm calling the best week ever, because it was an absolute blast. and, And I hope that at some point this fall, you have one of them, your very own pumpkin spice week. If you're into pumpkin spice, maybe that makes it the best week ever. I'm not really sure. But if I'm creating a talk, or at least starting to create one, it all starts with five tools. Every single thing that I do starts with these five tools. One is a set of sharpie pens. I really go nowhere without them. Black, red, pink, yellow, orange, brown, blue and green. Why I'll get to that in a second. And then a journal some sort of piece of paper. My current favorite right now is electron soft cover, excuse me. Um, I was rocking a really large lay flat hardcover. From code and quill, which I still absolutely adore. However, right now at the current pace by which I'm I'm writing, I love these soft covers from LexTerm because one, they have chapters at the front, and so unlike moleskin, uh, I'm able to. Annotate in the front what's in these books So I don't have to go through every page I can just go to the table of contents and go Oh, this is the stuff that's in this journal This is the stuff that's in that journal And that's super helpful too It's a soft cover so I can throw it in my back pocket If I'm running around doing vlogs Or writing scripts or those sorts of things I can carry it with me and it's it's bendable and foldable And right now, that is the thing that I love But if I had to pick two, it would be these The Lecterm, which you can find uh, Barnes & Noble, a lot of paper stores have them i would guess papyrus might have them amazon most assuredly has them it's l-e-c i'm sorry l-e-u-c-h-t-t-u-r-m and i like the soft cover but they have hard covers they're very similar to moleskin i just i like the paper better and i like that it's soft cover and the other one if i have my pick is Coden quill um their lay flat uh, call it um almost yearbook style that's how big the journal is is One of my favorite things on planet Earth. And when I get back to slowing down a little bit and want to write slower, I guess, uh, I have one that I'm ready to start on. The next thing is PowerPoint. Every one of my presentations is in PowerPoint. And my friend Nick Bailing once said to me when he uh, watched me make one of these, he said, you know, the thing about the way you use PowerPoint is you're like the last guy in the forest who still uses combat yo-yo, which... I mean, if there's a better analogy on Earth, I don't know what it is. So for me, the combat yo-yo of the world is PowerPoint. But there's a specific reason that I build the decks in PowerPoint. And I don't get too fancy with the platform. And that's for two reasons. One, I'm not always sure when I go someplace that they will have Wi-Fi. So even though Prezi has a desktop version uh, and a bunch of other platforms like that have a desktop version, I'm not entirely sure that they're going to have Wi-Fi. But the main reason I landed on PowerPoint over Prezi, for example, is because at the time I started doing this, Prezi didn't allow GIFs or GIFs, depending on how you want to f- refer to it. And for me, that is a non-negotiable. That is a great way to tell a story, a great way in a single frame to move something forward. And the fact that they didn't accept them to me was ludicrous um, and something that I, I just I couldn't get behind. So I ended up on PowerPoint, one, because they had gifs or gifs depending on how you want to refer them to uh, refer to them Two, it doesn't matter if i I have wi-fi and the other thing that i always do is plan for the sound off i imagine in most places that they're not going to be able to get audio from my computer so i don't build decks where that is required or even wanted and so that's the third one powerpoint The fourth one is Adobe Premiere. If you see a video that I've built, I've got a couple in this new presentation um, where I'm leveraging a TV screen and a phone that are doing two different things. That stuff is built in Adobe Premiere. And then the final thing is Giphy for GIFs or GIFs, depending on what you call them. Um, And we're not going to argue about that today. We can do that another day. So... Once I've got those five things, which I obviously have with me at all times, I start to accumulate stories and I'm always writing stories down or notes down or taking notes um, and just kind of collecting things that happen to me or near me. And while I'm doing that at the very same time, I'm on Giphy figuring out things that I'm enjoying or things that reach out to me or speak to me, and I'm accumulating those as well. So if I have a story and I can match it up to something on Giphy, I'm kind of doing those two things at the same time. And then I give it some space. I let it sort of take on a life of its own. And sometimes that thing becomes what we're calling at M Live a daily short. So those are those videos that you've seen that are one to three minutes long where I'm giving you a tip about social media and then we're in and we're out. So sometimes they just become that and then they sort of die on the vine as that thing. They're a one or two minute video. Sometimes it becomes a staff training, something internal that I'm gonna share with our team. Sometimes it's garbage and I don't throw garbage away. I just put it away and see if there's something I can Frankenstein out of it later, but it goes to the side. And then sometimes it becomes a talk. I look at it and go, Oh, this is, this is well over a half hour. This is, this is a thing I have to do in a room. And once that happens, I start to dig into the flow on how I want it to go. So it's got its own voice. And again, I give it a little bit of space and I let it to congeal. Um, And then I start to identify all the video I'm going to need in order to tell this story. What do I need to make in order to hit home the point of story A and story B and point C? What video do I need to send that home? Because I want the entire hour that I'm doing or 90 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever I get, I want the entire thing to be images, GIFs, and video. Uh, And if it needs more context, that's where I lean into the video to tell more context. But... I'm avoiding at all cost any text, unless it's some sort of stat that I can shoot up real quick and shoot down and I'll share it with you later. But I'm not writing paragraphs. I'm writing one to two words a slide if I'm doing any of that stuff. But if I have my druthers, it's just images, videos, and gifs. And then at this point, I start arranging the slides. And then while I'm arranging the slides, I'm writing along with it. And I'm doing that to check the flow of the stories. Does this make sense? Does this have a beginning, a middle, and an end? Does it have a crescendo that people will understand? Does it have an end that feels like an end? Or is that just the last story? And if it's just the last story, how do I make it? the end, and I write all of this stuff down long form with a pen or many pens, and I'll get into that in a second, because that is the single greatest weapon for me to memorize the talk. If you've seen me do any of these things, you know I don't have note cards, there are no notes inside the PowerPoint deck, it's all coming off of memory, and I'm using the slides to trigger that memory. Now, why all the colors? Well, all the colors because when I'm sketching out a talk, I like to use the colors to... Either highlight something that I want to hit in a particular fashion, underline, sketch, doodle, all the things that coloring and drawing and sketching around my words do to help me memorize. So if I allow myself some creative freedom inside the journal to draw and doodle and change colors and sketch, it makes the memorization go by easier. So I find if I've got five or six or seven colors, that makes the process much easier to understand. And, and people will look at my notes and see the scrawlings of a madman. But for me, it helps me memorize it. So I find it to be very helpful. And once I've got all that dialed in, here comes the fun part, which is you. And what's funny is uh, this evening, right before I was about to record this, my buddy Justin Barclay sent me a clip from 2018 of Chuck Palahniuk on with Joe Rogan. And he was talking about a, one of his crazy stories. And then he was talking about how when he either has a crazy story or somebody gives him a crazy story, they come up and they share that story with him. He takes those stories and then he workshops them. So he goes to cocktail parties and he goes to writing rooms and he goes to social functions and he tests out these stories to see what happens and hones them. It's funny that he shares that because I do the exact same thing. I get these stories, I take them out, I go to dinner parties, I go to social functions, and I use these stories and see what happens. And I decide, does the person in the story, does it matter what their hair color is? Do, do you need to know what they're wearing at the time that this marketing thing happens to them? And if so, how descriptive do I need to be? And then I saw off the edges and sand it down a little bit and get it to the point where I feel like, it's a story that's connecting and it's a story that that makes an impact. And then my version, step two of that workshopping is I will turn it into a daily short. So a lot of the daily shorts that we're doing at MLive are me just figuring out stories that either should or should not be in a talk that we're doing across the state of Michigan. And so I will make one, put it out in the world and see what happens, get the feedback and go, yep, that one belongs in or this one does not. Or sometimes, like I said, it started as a daily short and then it takes off. And I'm like, well, we clearly need to use that. And I think the best example was um, last year's video about Burger King versus McDonald's where they did the Whopper detour. I made that video in less than an hour. And it's one of the craziest videos that we've ever done. And so that one literally was raising its hand and saying, hey, uh, I should should come with you on those things that you're doing. And so it has. And so otherwise the, the best performing shorts show up and then we start organizing them in order. And I get out once I've got it in order and I feel I've got it locked down, I get out and I start doing it. And then after each and every single one of them I try and take as much time in between each of them to tinker. And I tinker every single time. So a quick example, Tuesday, like I said, I had three in a row. And so when I arrive in Flint at 7 a.m., that talk that I gave at 8 o'clock or 8.30 is very different than the talk I gave at 7 p.m. that very same night because I had been tinkering all day long. I'd been getting feedback all day long. So I knew what stories to take out, what um, stories to reverse the order on, which ones to speed up, which ones to slow down. So by the time I get to Grand Valley, that thing is humming because I've been doing it all day and I've got it kind of dialed in for the day. And then when that talk comes to an end, it's run is over, if you will. We lay it to the side and we start again. We start building a framework and we start filling those rooms with new stories and get back out on the road and start the process all over again. And some of that process comes through you. Some of that process comes through YouTube. Some of that process comes through staff meetings. And then a, a talk is born. And then out of that talk comes notes. And I share those notes with you. And we, we start all over. And that, uh, as simple as I can make it, is how the sausage is made. And so I hope on this Monday night as I'm enjoying a delicious glass of red wine that you are having an amazing, mm. absolutely amazing fall solstice. And I hope the season is awesome for you. Uh, I have a bunch of other content coming out this week that I think you'll dig. There was an art prize vlog that came out today. There was another Daily Short that came out today. And then there'll be, I think, three more videos this week and one more podcast. So look for all of those things. And with that, I hope you have an awesome Monday night. Peace, my friends. We'll talk soon.